Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to My Millennial Property with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Today we're talking about turning our principal place of residence into an investment property. It's actually been a really common one, John, that's popped up in the Facebook group. People navigating first home, now upsizing. Should they keep it as an investment property? Should they sell it? What do they do? I think it's a case scenario that can apply to a lot of people. So it deserves its own episode, basically. We're unpacking it in full. We're going to pull it apart piece by piece. So join us for the ride. All right, so what's your high-level commentary on this? High-level commentary is that I think the biggest thing that people underestimate is that they have choice in this situation. Some people simply go, well, I want to buy another property, so I'll just sell the existing one I have and I'll just upsize. I'll just go again. I'll get a good sold result. I'll have some cash and away I go. I actually find that not many people truly consider their options and work out a what-if scenario on keeping their current one. And do, you, do you find that that's maybe because who they've spoken to in lead up to that? It's like, oh, mum or dad said do this or I just think this was the norm, so that's what I'm doing? Yeah, I think overall a lack of education or a lack of questioning, really. Mm. You know, what are my options rather than, well, I need to buy, so I'll just sell. I mean, it's obvious when you have a car, right? You want to upgrade, you sell your old one, you get a new yeah, one. Yeah. Houses are a bit different. Unless you're Glenn. Yeah, unless you're yeah. Glenn. <laughs> so, and, and, and so many people say, well, I wish I held on to that property versus I should have sold that property. Um, so, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So, we want to avoid that whole, I've got regret, I didn't play out enough scenarios, I didn't run my numbers close enough. But we also realise that financially it just might not be viable. Yeah, correct. There might not be an option to hold it. I also think that comes back to, though, let's even go one step further back. When you secure your first property, you need to understand the intentions of that purchase. Mm. If it is ultimately to then hold it after five years as an investment and springboard you into your next home, then there could be properties that stack up and there could be some that don't. Yeah, absolutely. And turning our owner rock into an investment property might also depend on what we're doing with this next purchase. Are we renting and being a rent vester mm. or are we upgrading our owner rock? Because there's a few scenarios there. Correct. And that can come about depending on like a lot of, you know, classic first home buyers, they get in a certain price point with stamp duty exemptions and they have to live in the property for a set amount of time. Then they go to rent vesting and then they might upsize later down the track. Like there's so many, everyone's got an individual case scenario as to what their property journey looks like. Yep. I think the biggest thing is understanding A, the choice, and then B, if it is the case of holding as an investment property, what do I actually need to physically do? Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack that, shall we? So in no particular order, uh, I think we need to understand the cash flow in our life, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to s- say, well, 
this is how much I'm saving at the moment. Um, if I continue on this path, what's the running cost of that property if I should rent it out? So I've just taken an example here, Emily. So run with me on this one. Okay. The value of my owner rock is 700K. So I've got that rent, uh, I've got that sales appraisal from three agents. So, okay. My loan as it stands today is 450. So if I sell the property, agent takes 2%. Uh, I've got some associated costs, let's call it 20 grand. Uh, that brings me, and I get a, a sale of 680. I'm going to. Oh, sorry, a, a sale of seven hundred. Uh, my net is six eighty minus the four fifty loan. My math serves me well. It's two hundred thirty grand. Correct. <laughs> so two hundred thirty k is what I will have in my bank balance. Yep. To go and buy my upgraded owner rock, if that's what I choose to do, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I don't sell it will I have enough of a deposit to go and buy what I want to buy? Because you can only buy property with cash or equity as far as I know. Yes. Bitcoin or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a single Bitcoin, but I'm we not going there it. with that. No. <laughs> so it's cash or equity. Now, the critical part of buying our owner rock with equity is that it's non-tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm basically loaning 102% of the property when I include stamps yep. for something that's not tax deductible. Mm-hmm. I'm not a massive fan of that, are you? Not really. No. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So a lot of it leans towards selling the property, taking my 230 and going and buying my owner rock mm-hmm. and upgrading essentially. Yeah. As long as I can handle that loan. So many indicators and so many factors, right? It's not as black and white as that. Now, that 230 might be sweet, but you might be saying to yourself, well, I, I want to keep that property. I know that it's going to be a good long-term performer. Mm-hmm. So in, in 10 years' time, the 700 might be worth 1.5. Yeah. And there's another 800 that I couldn't have saved. Correct. You can't, surely you can't save at that rate across 10 years. No, unless, unless you're a plumber. No. <laughs> no, I've got this plumbing mate that I train with and oh, I okay. give it to him all the time about how much money he charges per hour. <laughs> Sorry, the plumber's out there, but you get what I mean. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is go back five years when you first bought this owner rock, mm. knowing that you wanted to upgrade at some stage and be really cash heavy for that time that comes where I've also saved my 200 along the journey yes, so that I don't have to use equity for the property to buy my owner rock. That's my ideal scenario. Yeah. So you effectively, as soon as you've bought, you're then saving deposit for the next one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which makes sense. Which does. Yeah. And you, in the meantime, because it's your owner rock, you can have that saving sitting in your offset account, um, paying down the, the principal, or you might not even pay it down. It might be interest only because you know that you're going to turn it into an investment property um, further down the track, if that's a three to five year sort of plan. If it's a 15 year plan, then different story. The only problem I could foresee with that in terms of starting to save for your deposit for your next property as you just secure the first is that you've just taken on a mortgage. So your savings rate yes. might not be as solid. It might take a little bit longer to get there. But you could also see yourself progressing in your career. You could have, you know, pay increases, bonuses that could contribute to that deposit. Yes. Uh, but I think a bit of planning behind this wouldn't go astray. Yeah. And and that's the, I suppose, unfortunate part about this question is we're doing this 
a lot of the time on a whim, aren't we? Mm. Where we're waking up one day and saying, oh, I'd love to upgrade. It's a great time to buy. We can borrow that amount, which sounds exciting. Now, which way do I go with it? Well, we, we should have been thinking about this three years ago. You got to set it up properly. Mm. So yep. for those that are sort of in the position where they don't own any property now, but are thinking about it, mm. tuning in, you, you should be saying to yourself, which we always talk about, think about the second purchase before you purchase the first one. Yeah. Uh, we, regardless of whether we're talking owner or or investment, we should always be thinking about that next play. Just thinking out loud here, I mean, there could be case scenarios where it is your first home, you've taken advantage of the grants and all the rest of it, and you've hit a point where you're then dedicated to the upsizer, you know, to the sort of 10 to 15 year plan, but you're not quite there yet in cash savings. Mm. For some people, that might mean moving back home with mum and dad for a bit yes, and actually being in the process of flipping that to an investment in the interim, not you know, maybe you break even, maybe your, your rental income covers your mortgage repayments and outgoings and stuff. Yeah. And then you're back with mum and dad saving to then go again, drop, which is n- not ego. a bad strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the ego yep. and and look at the long-term plan. Mm. What do we call that? What do we call that? <laughs> free vesting. Oh, free vesting. Oh, yes. Your favorite term. <laughs> it's free vesting. It's getting back home and saving a truckload of money. Yeah. So, yeah. So, for in, in our 20s, we can do that. Now, it might not be the coolest thing to do to move back home when we're 27, when all of our friends are out renting or owning, but it's it's your life. Yeah. Do what you want. Because this is the exciting bit about what I'm about to say. Mm. It can fast track your retirement by 10 years. Yeah. You, you get into a property five years before or three years before because you moved home and the market in that period grows to a level that you couldn't have saved. Yeah, correct. Right, so you're creating that wealth a lot earlier than you otherwise would or otherwise what your peers are doing, which is basically just living life on their terms but it's uh, they're getting consumed by all the mortgage debt. And if you don't have the option to move back in with mum and dad in that period of time, maybe it is reducing your outgoings or your lifestyle. Maybe you do find yourself with a housemate yeah. or, you know, uh, renting somewhere that's not super expensive or cutting back on certain things to fast track your savings. There are so many episodes across My Millennial Money, across ours as well, about saving for deposits or where we can sort of make that happen faster. But yeah. just to be aware that you, you do have choice. Yeah, there's extreme choice. So that that probably leads it to a lifestyle thing is, well, what do you want from a lifestyle perspective in the next three to five years? And if it is moving out of that property and renting for a period of time, mm-hmm. that's okay. But then understand the running costs of that property that you've just rented out. Yeah. So using that example back before, the loan was sitting at 450 so getting some rental appraisals long before you try to sell or rent it out. So what's the running cost of that property just stand alone, right? So 450 loan, if it rents for, I don't know, if it's worth 700K in Melbourne, what do you think it's renting for? 500 a week? Yeah, about that. It's a bigger apartment. Yeah. So that's yeah. 25 grand a year, give or take. Um, 450 loan at 5% interest only is 22 and a bit. Right. Um, so give or take, it might cost you a couple of grand a year. Now, if interest rates are 6%, then different story. If they're 4%, even better. So that property might be neutrally geared after tax. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, notice we mentioned interest only there and not yeah. principal and interest. So that might be another finance conversation with the mortgage broker, which is, well, A, how much can I borrow? But B, what's my structure look like? Is it P&I if I'm buying my owner rock mm-hmm. and then converting what I did have as my owner rock to interest only to put all that uh, energy into that new owner rock? The question on my lips is if the overall goal here is to ultimately own an investment property and your own home, right? Because that's kind of where we're going with this. Yep. The question would be, how do I know that what the current property that I own is a good investment property? Like yes. how do I even, like could that money be spent differently and I actually go and make two new purchases from the one sale? Is great, that even yeah, possible? Great question. First thing I would do is A, find out when I bought it. How long have I held that property? What did I pay for it? What's it worth now? Yep. So again, go back to our 700K value. If we bought that five years ago and we bought it for 400,000, mm-hmm. it's been a, a good performing mm. property. Will it do, will it perform at that same rate for the next five years? Probably not. But there's enough evidence to suggest that it's been a pretty good asset. Yeah. If you've bought a property that's for 450 and it's still worth 480 five years later, that's a fair chance that, yeah, you could probably move that on. Yep. Because it, it's sort of one goes with the other, doesn't it? You, you buy something that you consider a dud, doesn't go up in value, you've got less money to take out if you sell it. Mm, yep. Um, but then you've got a 450 asset that goes up to 700. You've got a great amount of, of cash to take out, but you don't want to sell it. Correct. Or then my mind goes to with the dud, you know, is the best yet to come? Like, mm. you know, if it hasn't grown three years, a- am I sitting on the verge of it, of it going up? And yeah. with the one that already has gone up significantly, like will will I expect that to continue or not? Like has yeah. have I got the maximum return in this short amount of time and I should cash out on it? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I think um, – feels like I'm half doing a clarity call here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think – on that basis, you would see, well, how long have I owned it? Like yep. if it's been two years, really hard to understand that. Mm. But if it hasn't gone up, the dud you're referring to, I would be checking things like um, vacancy rates yep. and supply and demand on that particular asset in that area and, and just getting a feel for, well, it hasn't gone up, uh, but it doesn't look like it either because the the vacancies are actually higher than what they were when I bought it sort of thing. Um, I, I'd look at... Maybe the the infrastructure and and the what's happening in the area is the things that are going to actually change the the worth of this property in a positive manner. Yeah, and if not, where should I be? You know, looking mm. at other options. Should I up and leave it? Yeah, and maybe even you know start again. Yeah, that's right. Which is for those that bought their first home uh, with first homeowner concessions, the impact on that is far less because they probably didn't pay stamp duty. They maybe put down a smaller deposit, maybe didn't even pay LMI. So they're, they're not really, it's not as, as much as if um, someone paid all of that to begin with. But yeah, we it's a it's a, a clunky beast that you just don't want to continue to buy and sell, do you? No, and you, you need to understand what it means to buy right. Mm. And sometimes that is having experts in your corner. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's actually the ability to admit that you made a mistake. You know, some people hold on to properties because they don't want to actually, 
like they're holding on to the hope that yeah, it will yeah. grow. Like property always goes up, there but there is a chance that you could have bought something that just won't go that well, and you could, you know, offload it and mm. do better. Yeah, totally. And and we'll take a break in a minute, but I think yeah, that time frame is is really important. Like if you've got something that's been sitting there for eight to ten years and it's gone up thirty or fifty grand, like it's a dud. Yeah. The next 10 years, it's not going anywhere, uh, in my mind anyway. So I think, yeah, understand how long it's uh, you've owned that property, the performance on it, um, and and then make an assessment from there. All right. We'll take a break and then we'll thrash that out in more detail soon. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, good debt versus bad debt. Yes. We talk about that a bit. The bad debt, uh, according to the banks, is something that's not income producing, which is our owner-occupied debt. We generally want to get rid of that as quick as possible, don't we? Yeah. Pay it down, get it sorted. Yeah. And we want to have money sitting in an offset account. Um, Hopefully, we're saving money as well as paying our mortgage. So, that's continually offsetting our bad debt, essentially. So if we've gone ahead and bought our owner rock, our upgrade owner rock, and we've had the ability to, to keep our original owner occupied, it's now an investment property, that finance structure really needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. So I would 90% of the time say, if I can get that to interest only, I would. Yeah. Because one, it, it increases the cash flow on that particular property. It's not a burden on me. Um, two, the principal on that, as I pay it down is not tax deductible because I'm paying down the loan. It's not a, a uh, an expense as such. Um, and it allows me to pay down that new owner rock quicker. Is it difficult to go from 
P&I to then interest only in that situation. I actually personally haven't haven't had an experience with it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you go do some convincing to the bank or have a good broker. Yeah, both. both. Yeah. Because <laughs> what they're saying is, which is sort of weird, but I get it. It's like, well, okay, you're telling me that you want to go to interest only repayments only mm-hmm. and they say you can't afford that. Right. But- I can afford P&I, so how can I not afford interest only? Because what's happening is it's saying, well, you're not paying down that loan Mm -hmm. and they're maybe assessing it on 25 years instead of 30 years. Right, okay. So there's a whole lot of back-end calculations going on in bank world. Yep. Um, So what you need to show is is higher servicing. So you might have bought that property five years ago and you're on 70 grand and now you're on 120 grand hypothetically okay you've got a stronger chance now of of converting that back to interest only um, but again the timing of things and the order in which we do things is really important you might decide to change it over to interest only before you buy your owner rock because once you buy your owner rock you're servicing reduces plummets that's a good point yeah? that's a very good point so again, a strategic mortgage broker will, will navigate the way through that for you, um, but telling them is the first step of that. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, hang on, I just bought my own rock now. Okay, well, why didn't we do that? Okay, now that's past. I'm just stuck paying P&I. And I had that exact example uh, two days ago doing a clarity call with someone. They've bought three properties, yep. um, two in Queensland, one in Victoria, and they're all P&I. None of them are their own rock and they want to buy their own rock next year, but they can't service another loan. Right. But they also can't convert their properties from P&I to interest only because they can't service that either, weirdly so enough, because they, of the bank situation. What do they do? Correct. That's why we had a clarity call. Oh. Um, <laughs> what was the outcome of the clarity call? Now, they're basically backed into the corner where they have to sell a property. Yeah. Which Could they've sense. avoided selling the property if they were only interest only to begin with on all three properties or at least one or one, two of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to grab the lowest hanging fruit and saying, well, back to our conversation before, are we selling the best performing asset that gives <laughs> us the most cash? Yes. Or are we selling the worst dud that won't go up in value but we're extracting less cash? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I think I just speaks to the value of, understanding strategy from the get-go, right? Right, from like, the get-go. They've obviously done well having three properties, yep. but a slight tweak in structure. Changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. And um, yeah, usually we're going to go and sell the best performing asset because it's giving us the best cash yep. um, to, to form a deposit on that, on, on that owner rock. So in a best case scenario, if we are going to hold our first uh, our first home as an investment. Yep. As you touched on, we want to get that flipped over to an interest-only loan, if we can, before we go and make our upsizing purchase. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's best case scenario. And then that allows us to have that all set up. We know what our payments are. We've got a prospective um, idea of rental return based on some appraisals and we're gearing up to get that ready. What I want to touch on is what else do we need to think about to get ready in making that now an investment property? Yeah. So before we uh, switch to that, one thing I want to touch on with that is 
if we're on a squillion dollars, mm-hmm. let's pay P and I on the whole lot. Sure. And and pay down all debts. Yeah. Right. But I still I still would put a focus towards paying on paying down our bad debt much long uh, quicker before our our good debt as such. Yes, yes. Right. I, I think if we are converting it to an investment property, we need to understand logistically, is there any maintenance issues that we need to attend to? So do we need to spend five grand on it or 10,000 or whatever doing things up or do we just leave it as is because we're getting a tenant in? Um, so we, we want to keep, we, we want to have the upkeep of the property. Generally speaking, if it's been our owner rock, it should be in reasonable condition. It should be, but you must be familiar with the laws of what the minimum standards are. Yes, that's You don't right. actually have to have them for your own home, but you do for an investment property. No, that's right. And in your beautiful state of Victoria, mm. those standards have increased dramatically in the last they 12 have. months, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, correct. So things like heating, mm. uh, things like the electricals. Yeah. Um, particularly if your property is an older property, it might need to be rewired. Yes. Um, there's quite a few measures in place and every state's different. But, yeah, it's a serious consideration because yeah. you might have a bit of upfront cost, not just to make it look nice but to actually make it compliant. Yeah, that's <laughs> is, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and property management companies are really big on this and they don't want to get – their knuckles wrapped over, mm. so they're going to make sure that you you comply with that, like window locks and yeah, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. So making it compliant yeah. and addressing any maintenance issues, mm-hmm. but not overcapitalizing to the point where we want to make it nice and homely for someone. Correct. Mm. Yeah, we make it nice when we want to sell it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Now. Again, this is something that we probably we would be thinking of two or three years in advance if we know or knew, we would be not paying down any more of the loan because a lot of people make extra repayments, mm-hmm. not sitting in the offset. They actually make more repayments onto the loan uh, into a, what would be a redraw facility essentially. So getting that back out for our new owner, Ock, is very messy from a tax perspective, okay? So my suggestion there would be if we know two or three years in advance, don't make any more repayments than we need to, just have it sitting in the offset account so it's still doing its thing, offsetting the interest, but we've just got it there to be able to pull back out as we need. Physical cash. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we like. Yeah, so there's the finance side of it and then the uh, compliance, maintenance side of things are probably the two main ones, aren't they? Yeah, and then probably just getting ready to rent it, you know, i.e. property manager, yep. vacate clean, that to, you know, that sort of admin stuff that gets done when you go and also, you know, advertising and all the rest of it. Yeah. Actually yeah. having it prepared for rental. And actually with that, it could be like if you're not wedded to a certain time frame, it could be also trying to understand when the vacancy rates are at their lowest. Yes. Um, to get, you know, some properties do rent better in certain areas in the summertime. Yeah. So, yeah, understanding and having a good property manager who's got data to show you when would be a good time to put it on the market is also an advantage because it could be the difference in, you know, maybe 20, 30 bucks extra a week. Yeah, totally. And and we're recording now, week before Christmas. Yeah. So very hard to find a tenant <laughs> <laughs> a week before Christmas. So logistically what's happening at that time of year. Um, yeah, so navigate your way through. Are you buying, are you renting, are you moving back home as well as tenant, when could would they prefer to move in? Um, 
start of the school year, all those sort of things. Now, the, the big one with renting out your home is your emotions around that. It's like, well, I've lived this in this home for five years. I've made it my own. It is my own. I've painted the walls. I've, I've spruced the garden up. Now someone that I don't know is going to come and live in it. Mm. So the whole decision around turning your PPR into an investment might hinge around do I want someone living in that house? Yeah. Or do I have the ability to compartmentalise that that's now an investment property? Yeah. And I'll have another home. Yeah, that's right. You know, mm. it is tricky though because particularly when it's your first, you always take real care, you know, mm. you've probably done some updates of some sort. Yes. You've got the special things you love about the place. You can't expect someone else to take the care that you would. No. When they're renting it. No. 80, 20, 80% of what you'd expect yourself. Um, but yeah, tough one. And you might not be able to overcome that, which means you ruled out and you just simply sell that property. Yeah. I think in all this, it's understanding the pros and cons and just clearly thinking it out and not just going, well, this is what I'm going to do and Mm -hmm. then look back in five years and say, oh, I actually didn't know that that was an option. It would always be better thinking out loud as well about when you flip it, if um, you were moving to a different, completely different area. Like Mm. I feel like if I was a homeowner and then I've now got someone renting my place, even though I've gone and bought something else or renting something else, it'd be so tempting to drive past, you know, the front door, just check in. (laughs) How are you guys Have going? they mowed the lawns? Yeah. Oh, they're looking after my precious gem. Yeah, they've dug out my frangipani. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just set and forget, yeah, you yeah. know. Like I think that would be very hard if you were um, living in the same neighbourhood, totally upsizing the same neighbourhood. Yeah. And, and conversely, you may not want to become a small business owner, mm. which is essentially what running an investment property is. Like you're not day-to-day in the trenches, but you you need to be treating it like a, a, a small business. Indeed. Mm. Yeah. Anything else that we need to touch upon there in respect to transitioning out or actually making a decision of do I or don't I? Think not so much about the decision of whether to do it or not, but then my mind more so goes to the next step of the upsize or the change into the next property is just trying to have some key takeaways of what you learnt in the initial process and what mistakes to avoid in the next purchase. Like what you would do differently having lived through it once. The second time, what would you do, you know? Uh, Are there things you learnt about your property specifically that you don't want to see in the next one? Are there things you love that you definitely want to see in the next one? I think um, with the benefit of experience and also hindsight, your second purchase should be a pretty solid one. Yeah, yeah. It's not your first Rodeo, is it? Mm. You can you can look at it strategic and say, I don't want to do that again or I don't yep. want this facing um, south or north or whatever it might be. Yeah, correct. Yeah. All the features that you would like to see, you can make a bit more of a thorough yeah. list of what you're after of non-negotiables uh, and move forward. And also I think generally speaking, that next purchase is a longer term option. So it's also making sure that it's the right decision. Yeah. 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 Because it's upgrade for a reason. Mm. It's it's either better location or better asset. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think when when you look back in, in five years time, you know that you haven't been forced to sell something because you just like put your head in the sand and didn't know the numbers. Uh, but I think in, in summary, 
the first place for me would be a meeting with your mortgage broker mm-hmm. before you actually jump ship to say, right, what's the value of this property? Uh, what's my borrowing capacity to upgrade? And and then understand, right, rental appraisal from property manager. This is the running cost of that property if it is an investment, right? And I've got a cool property analyzer calculator that, that does all that for you. So that'll be in the show notes. We can throw that in there. But once you know the numbers, the numbers don't lie. So if it's costing you five grand a year to hold that property and it's five grand that you haven't got, unfortunately, unless you're upgrading your employment or getting some money from somewhere, you're going to have to sell that property. Yeah. It's got to be logical. Mm. It's got to make sense. And you're right. Numbers don't lie. Mm. So knowing those numbers, do an assessment from there. And then probably the final piece on this, and I know we're all property geeks here, but what other assets do we want to invest in going forward? So do we want to be too heavy in property, dare I say? Oh, look out. Wow. Is there such thing? I, don't, I, I, I hear there is. <laughs> I, I haven't... Has anyone, <laughs> has anyone reached the limit? The limit does not exist. The limit. Yeah. Well, why I say that is, well, okay, if this property is going to cost me, let's say, five grand a year to hold as an investment property, mm-hmm. but I actually want to put five grand towards salary sacrificing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Or I, I want to diversify into ETFs or something like that. Yeah. Right. I just need to add that in just so that I'm a bit more diversified in my thinking. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. And have the choice and, and sort of spread your eggs in multiple baskets as well, hey? Yes. Because yeah. um, if one egg goes rotten, the others usually follow when mm-hmm. they're close by. Yeah. Well, I hope that's given people food for thought. It's even made me think a bit more logically, particularly uh, around... I think the key takeaway is speaking to your mortgage broker earlier, early in the process to understand if you can convert from P&I to interest only mm. on your current property before you go out buying something else because that's that's a big one. Yeah. There could be a lot of saving in that. Totally. And, and I meet so many people that just are black and white principal and interest on everything. And and that's, that's great. You're paying down debt, which we all want to do, but it's where you apportion that principal payments and and just understanding your lifestyle choices. What do you want in the next five to 10 years? And is all of that principal repayments on our investment going to impact our ability to take the kids to Disneyland or, or whatever it might be? Yeah. Lifestyle. Yeah. Got to have a balance. You do need a balance. Yeah. So, all right. Good yarn. Hopefully we got some benefit from that. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out if you need anything. Um, go and give us a review if you think we're worthy. You are worthy, John. You're worthy of a review. There's, there's no iron <laughs> team. We're both worthy of a review. Please give us one. Yes. No, <laughs> correct. All right. We'll, uh, we'll chat to you soon. Indeed. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the 
the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Shepherd Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.